Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. This is McNamara on Money, and today we're talking mortgages. And my guest this morning is a fellow by the name of Jeremy Delaney, who is with Unto Mortgage locally. And Jeremy, I forgot to ask, why don't you give out your phone number really quickly? Sure. If you want to reach the Devaney team, we're at <laughs> 781-680-5626. You can email me at jdevaney, that's D-E-V-A-N-E-Y, at ontomortgage.com. Dot com, O-N-T-O, mortgage.com. Folks, you can assume we presume and trust him because he's on this show as a guest. But anyway, bottom line, talking mortgages and attention all, let's see, people who are about to buy their retirement home and think they're going to downsize. We're going to have some fun with that. But we also have a special phone-in guest, uh, Sharon McNamara. <laughs> Under the heading of nepotism, there's a few McNamara's around in the financial business, and Sharon is the owner-broker of Boston Connect Real Estate, and, and are you still there? I am. You, Did you hear what? Tim, can you do that again? I, I thought I heard I, something. I heard the train, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't help okay. myself, Mike. So, folks, by the way, so this next at least 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to talk about people who are looking for their last home and are going to downsize. Pay attention, folks, because we're going to tell it like it is and it isn't like it sounds but i'll just start off by saying that if you're thinking you're going to downsize okay it might be in size but if you're thinking about right size it'll be mm-hmm. smaller but it'll be at least as expensive as the home you sold folks so don't get confused when you downsize your home or right size it as sharon would like to say it'll be probably smaller and it'll be probably nicer than the home that you sold and it'll probably cost at least as much but i'll just leave it at that sort of a thing totally okay. agree jerry you got any stories on that jeremy for uh, it, it really it's a case these days of people needing a first floor bedroom yep oftentimes not wanting to give up the creature comforts of their bigger home that they're quote-unquote downsizing from. Because I'm retired and I deserve it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And then the last factor that we see impacting people often, and it's very real, it's our family situation, is the grandparents want the grandkids and the rest of the family around and they've brought them all around them and they've grown this little nest of theirs, but it's no longer an empty nest. It's a very full nest. And so you need to make accommodations to have the necessary bedrooms and bathrooms that people come and visit. And so oftentimes, yeah, it's not a smaller house. It's probably more proximate to the beach or more proximate to whatever activity they like, the golf course, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's different factors. Sharon, what are you seeing on that front? How How's the description changed over time of what people are looking for a smaller or their final house? Yeah, it's interesting because everything that you're saying, it really, it's not that they want so much, that much small size. It's really a lot of people are looking for that first floor, primary bedroom and ensuite is what people are looking for. And I've actually found myself in many occasions talking to people, they have that four bedroom colonial but they still have people coming and visiting and all the guests and everything. Sometimes I'm talking them out of selling their house, which sounds funny, but that's what I'm doing. I take this front to back living room that has plastic all over the furniture 
and make this your first floor bedroom because a lot of people can't. I'm seeing, sadly, the older boomer generation, they didn't, if it wasn't broken, they didn't fix it. So cosmetically, these houses, they still have the gold fixtures and all these other things. 1992 wants uh, uh, its out, fixtures back. Outdated, basically, or not outdated? Outdated. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. just not updated, but yeah. they did a really good job of if something mechanically was wrong, it was fixed. Unfortunately, the demographic that we see that are buying houses right now, they watch a lot of HGTV, and that has put this false perception in their head of two things. One, they think they're just going to walk into a house, and it's going to be exactly what they're familiar with or what they want. And two, every single person, every single house I show as a buyer in these older homes, they're like, oh, I could take down that wall. Hmm. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> in there, done like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with the, with the older demographic who is trying to right size, it's really sad because I started to say this before you went to break and you guys hit upon it a little bit is with the developers I work with, the cost is, it's just astronomical how much it is, one, for the land, two, to do the roads, the engineering, the permitting, the utilities. Utilities is a huge problem right now. We're having, with my subdivision in West Bridgewater, we're having a big problem getting transformers and parts, and there's a lack of the workers who are out there digging the holes in the trenches and doing the electrical and all that. Those those fields, the plumbers and the electricians, they're able to bring their prices up because this is a lack of that field. So that makes everything that much more expensive. It also puts the builders in a position where you can't build smaller homes. You have to build these huge homes in order to make a profit. So true. Wow. So that so everything is working against smaller homes and younger buyers. Or it's interesting, Sharon. You mentioned where was I going with that? No, I just lost that thought. But the it's very. Oh no, I know it was. We know we know a young couple who's loved to buy their first house, and they've been looking around for about a year without any luck here. And yep. Jeremy brought up the same thing you did last week. We chatted that. For those first-time starter homes, there's now two different competitors for that. There's the young folks who are supposed to buy them, and then there's the older folks who are going to buy them and maybe fix them up a little bit and live in them, okay? And they have the money, okay, because they have the house. So that's still the case. What hope is there for for the younger folks? I get not much for a while? Not much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our niece there, where I'm helping them, they're newly engaged. I'm trying to help them find a home. My office manager as well, Melissa Wallace, who does my show with me, we're on at 10 today. She's in that same in that same thing. And Jeremy, you'll probably know there's so many people in that price range looking for the same house. There was a house that went on the market in Hanson. It was less than 900 square feet of space, and it had I think 51 offers on it. So we're back to that oh, reckless yep. market. Oh, yeah. So that reckless market where buyers are forced to buy more and more. But Jeremy can talk about this. The impact we're seeing right now with rising rates, so the people who could afford 400 are now looking at between 325 and 350. Yeah, wow. Which ain't happening in most places, right? Yeah, whoa. You can't find those houses because of what Sharon said earlier. They're they're not being built. You can't Uh can't create that inventory. There's just no economics there to make it make sense for a developer. So there's a whole bunch of stuff working against that. Wow. So it's circular, Mike. It brings us right back to that MBTA serve communities policy. I was just going to say that. Sharon, so they're trying to drive this multifamily inventory stock because it's in theory less expensive yeah, more for efficient. a home buyer. Yeah, it's okay. more efficient. Yeah, yeah. But I the, think Marshfield might be one of the towns, Jeremy, though, that 
said no. Marshfield's one of three communities that hasn't yet submitted a plan. So I I believe it's 158 communities. There is probably three dozen, two dozen that raised their hands and said, eh, this isn't really something that our community is on board with because one, we're not actually served by the MBTA. Two, we don't have any land area that can accommodate this, this multifamily housing stock that you're demanding. And three, it you don't have the guidelines to allow us to do it where we need to do it. So part of that uh, okay. MBTA serve communities policy, yeah. the we can't meet the requirement by using multi-use property. So if there's a first floor commercial, it doesn't count towards mm-hmm. the requirement. So how are you going to do downtown urban areas? How do you do a 40, how do you do a mixed use community or walkable community? We've yeah, been working on Webster walkability big. with yeah. Alyssa yeah, for the yeah. last five years. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, so Pembroke, I'm actually on the affordable housing, sorry to interrupt you there, but I'm on affordable housing committee as well. I'm actually, they just put me on the master plan collaboration committee as well for Pembroke. Um, as rep- <laughs> yeah, as a representative of, last time we did one was in 2004, but that's another show or maybe a glass of wine. But one thing that we're trying to work towards, Pembroke is one of the towns that is at our 10% for 40B development. Congratulations. Yeah, but what we're trying to do is we'd love to get our town to 15% just because we know as a community is growing and you're getting more of the single family traditional style homes being built on the lots, then that the 10% is going to keep on dipping. So mm-hmm. if we're at that 15, we don't have to worry about projects coming in, perhaps that don't align with what we're looking for in the town. But one thing that's really interesting, and I'm hopeful that maybe this is a pattern, next to my office in Pembroke Center, is Shepherd's Funeral Home, and that was purchased by Bristol Development. They're doing a big project at 55-plus development up at the Country Club in Pembroke. We allowed for cluster zoning, was a new zoning that we did in Pembroke, and it allowed them to actually take the 40 portion of what they were expected to do on that development and put it someplace else in Pembroke. So they purchased Shepherd's Funeral Home, and they're in the development stages right now with the town, and they are building 66 apartments that are 55 plus. And I think that's gonna be hugely helpful for us because you know what, home ownership isn't for everybody. And it might give the older demographic the ability to rent here and have a place down south somewhere. I'm not sure where Snowbirds are going now. I don't think it's Fort Myers right now, but anywhere down south. All right, so a couple dumb questions. So most of this affordable stuff is going to be geared towards seniors, okay? And it's going no, to be... Town of Pembroke. I'm going to be 55 50. on Monday. Okay. Is that a senior? <laughs> yes, okay. You're, you're a card-carrying member of our... No, Sharon, you're all set. Okay, but my point is that's no relief... For the young folks, okay. And by the way, so besides being age-specific, okay, is it also all rental or can you purchase it? How's but it work? will open up. See, this is the ketchup bottle scenario. Yeah. If we have 55 plus yeah. that are looking at these apartments, yeah. they're going to be selling their four-bedroom colonials. Well, the people who are already in the smaller capes and ranches, yeah. they want to go up to that four-bedroom colonial. So that will open up those houses. Yeah, well, but, yeah, but in reality, if you're a young person listening to the show waiting to buy a home, that's 10 years away. Yes. 15? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. Maybe less than that. Yeah. Maybe in the next four years. Yeah, I think, yeah, the sad point here so far is that if you're a first-time home buyer, you're in a lot of 
hurt in Massachusetts, and I don't. I, there's no answer to that. And, right? and we're talking I mean, housing policy, which is a yeah. really slow-moving yeah. tide, yeah. right? This is something that doesn't change immediately. It's something that's debated for years before it's put in place. Yeah. We've seen this MBTA community's policy being talked about for two years now, yeah. and we're nowhere near implementation yet. And once it's implemented, we're still years away from building permits actually yeah. being pulled for it, yeah. or a developer getting the guts to move forward with some of these projects because the zones that are being picked for it are less than mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah. They're marginal not, zones. Not where they're supposed to be, basically. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think the message from my point of view for younger folks is, by the way, rents are getting stupid too, Sharon, yeah. though, right? Is that correct? Yeah, okay. it's, I mean, right now, the investors, one of the agents in my office does a meetup once a month in my office. It started with 10 people, and it's probably over 50 right now, all investors. And that's what they're doing, is they're gobbling up anything they can mm-hmm. to beat out people too. Jeremy, you know this, oh, right? Yeah. What are people losing out to? cash. Yeah. For some, people think cash is king. You don't have certain things that you have to worry about, like appraisals and things like that, but they're losing to investors. So investors are buying the homes, they're buying the multifamilies, and the rents are astronomical. The amount that you can get for a Section 8 home, like in Pembroke, for a two-bedroom, you could get a, probably about $3,200 for a two-bedroom house in Pembroke. And it's, the reason why the investors like those is because if these people lose their job or if they can't pay their rent, it doesn't matter because the state is paying it. They're getting It's so- really a great system for investors because they've been compensated to take the risk on what would otherwise be a really marginal renter, right? Yeah. There, there might be some reason why that renter can't be in that property. And ensuring that rent allows the landlord to be able to rent to that person still. So, but Sharon, you're spot on this balance between the rental market and the 55 plus community market. It, there needs to be right sizing. There needs to be a moment where we have the right amount of housing stock to meet our boomer demand. It can't be cutting into those first time home buyers shopping experience and their ability. Some things we've seen happening more recently is you have an older couple that's looking to downsize. They're putting their kids into the house as renters. They're actually mm-hmm. signing a lease. We can qualify rental income on a property. So if you have a lease in hand and that lease covers your mortgage, you've essentially washed that mortgage off of your liabilities for me. Okay. You can then move mm-hmm. forward with your next purchase. And guess what? Your kid's already in a house, maybe that four bedroom colonial that they probably couldn't afford if you sold your house, but you've just covered your mortgage and you've moved on yeah. to your next house. Yeah, my, my worry is the younger folks. You, you got to have the base start, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not a solid base now. That's not demographically. No. Uh, and if you're, this sounds awful to say, but as a financial planner, if you're young, see, move, move in with your parents, save like a banshee for the next four or five years, don't spend too much money having a whole lot of fun, and you'll be in a position maybe to buy some kind of a home. But for the next three, two, three, four, five years, it's less, there's a high proportion of young folks that are just going to be without their first home. Right? That's if sad. you're just out of school yeah. and you're trying to figure out how to get in, into the real estate market, it's very challenging. I share a story with our Marshfield High School seniors during the Smart With Money Financial Fair. How much fun was that? Ma- McNamara Financial Sponsors <laughs> is really, we're blessed to have it in our community. We go in and we have an experience for our high school seniors where they role play being a mid-20s adult with a job and liabilities and expenses and they have to go out and figure out how to get through balancing their budget. But one of the stories I like to share with these seniors is that not everybody's experience immediately after graduation or during college or after high Mm -hmm. school is what you on social media or what you read on the web. 
when I first graduated college and my income was less than $20,000 a year being a sales assistant in a retail stockbroker's office, I had to share a one-bedroom apartment with one of my best friends from college. Whoever got home first got the bedroom. <laughs> Whoever got home second got the futon in the living room. We worked 24 hours a day. So it didn't matter much. It didn't tired. really matter much. You were much. so tired, just slept anyplace. And everybody was hot racking it because you've got friends coming over and people are just coming and visiting and whatnot. If you're able to, you can really minimize your expenses by either moving back in with mom and dad or sharing a space with friends. I've got a client. Wait a second here. Let's not make that too, that announcement too loud, okay? Empty nesting, because right? This is one thing, you know, this is a good conversation and Jeremy, if you're around next weekend, I hope that you can join me and Alyssa because I am came in here on a quick call, but yeah, of course. right now my dad had to move in with me for a little while. My house is not conducive to this, but we're seeing a lot of going back to that multi-generational living. My daughter also quit her job, accepted a job in Iowa, decided that she didn't want to be in Iowa, and guess who's moving back home? The nuclear so, family, I, Sharon. The nuclear yeah. family. The not-so-empty so I'm going to have my 27-year-old with her dog in the basement and my 86-year-old father I in my guest room. Yeah, and, you know, that's where we are. Yeah, so I hope our younger home buyers that are trying to are listening. And by the way, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you had a great major in college and make a lot of money when you got mm-hmm. out of school to begin with. Yeah. Folks, it's just sad. When you know but people Michael, who can't okay. buy a home. Hey. All right. So think about Casey, right? So yeah. my, my other daughter, right? Yeah. So she's she's an attorney, mergers and acquisitions. She's at Ropes and Gray. Yep. She's living in the South End. She's living her life. And she's paying about $3,600 a month for rent. And for two, it's two floors. She's looking at condos. Her, the condos she's looking at and what she really wants, because she wants to stay there Let, let me guess, let me guess. 1.5. Actually, a little bit less than that. Don't let it's one point two five. No kidding. So, Whoa. Yeah. So she's looking at apartments like that. So this is the thing: is I have two daughters, sixteen months apart. One is the attorney. One is doing more like social work type stuff. And but what's really difficult is when you think about our niece and the situation she's in. She and her and her fiance have done such a great job of saving, and they have. They really and so has Melissa, my my manager. It doesn't even matter when you're yeah. against. 51 offers and somebody just offers a stupid amount of money. Like, I'm not all for emotional buying. I think you're better off to stay where you are than put in an emotional offer. And Sharon, 30 years ago, a couple of double income teachers, steady salaries were primo home buyers who could do settle in whole lots of places. Not, not, not seeing that change no. dr- dramatically, though, Mike. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I Good. qualify more teachers, dual-income household teachers that, that are making north combined, north of $200,000. Wow. Wow. You, you and stay, Mark you st- and I, 30 years ago, exactly, we bought our house for $137,000, and we're still in the same house. But, guys, I'm sorry that I jumped in. Jeremy, if you're around next week, I will be on with Alyssa, and we'll be talking probably <laughs> the same topic, so we'd love to have you if you can. Of course. Uh, but I have to, Tim is going to kill me if I'm not on time for my show. So huh. I have to get I'll going. You no, I week. won't. You're fine, Sharon. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can be flexible, Sharon. Go catch you later, okay? All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Have a great morning. Take care. <laughs> Yeah, I just, we'll we'll change gears here in a second or two, but I just feel so badly for young folks who are in a position to try to buy a home these days. Tell you what, there's hope though, Mike, there's hope. Tell me how. So hope springs eternal. And it's not wearing rose-colored glasses, it's looking at the data. Incomes are up. 
incomes continue to come up. One of the, one of the biggest factors right now in inflation is labor cost. Yep. And what that translates to is your income. Yep. So as labor costs continue to go up, your income's going to continue to go up. The employment market still is strong, so people can go out and find new jobs with raises because people are still hiring in this market. So hopefully it'll get better is what you're telling so me. So you're going to build more wealth. You're going to have more income. You're going to feel better. <laughs> and on that note, we'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, and we are talking mortgages and scary home prices this morning. My guest is Jeremy Devaney from Onto Mortgage. And uh, again, give out your phone number there, please, in sure case thing, I forget Mike. to ask at the end here. 781 680 or you can email us at jdevaney, D E V A N E Y, at ontomortgage.com, or you can find me on the web at www devaneymortgage.com. So from my perspective as senior radio host here, I'm going to call Jeremy the mortgage guy that I have on my show. And you can presume we trust him if he's on my show. So give him a call if you have any questions. Okay, so bottom line here, folks, is this is a call and talk radio show. If you have a question about mortgages, you get less than 25 minutes to give us a call and pick our brains here. 781-837-4900. Jeremy, you got free reign about where you want to go here for the last half hour. So where do you want to start? Awesome, Mike. I wanted to talk about something that's come up in conversation a lot more recently, and it's something that we've seen on the web. It's something that we're seeing all over social, but this idea of marry the house, date the rate. And that's right. I've heard that once or twice. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Probably have in yeah. some, some good to it and there's some bad to it. And the caveat that I want to really unpack here is people need to spend some time thinking about where they believe the interest rate market is going forward over the next 12 to 24 months. If you're buying a house and you think that you're going to have an opportunity to refinance, ask yourself what's going to cause rates to be lower than today. I think when we look at some of the forecasts out there, we, again, I said it earlier, hope springs eternal, right? Forecasters tend to be optimistic. We had Jerome Powell coming out two and a half weeks ago, pounding the table saying, I am going to be more aggressive than the market expects. The Friday after his testimony, Silicon Valley banks collapsed. The week after, the market sits back and starts to take stock of it. And guess what? The market thinks Jerome Powell and the Fed board aren't going to raise rates at all. Jerome Powell surprises to the upside. He raises rates a quarter point. The forecast that Jerome Powell and the Fed's putting out still calls for another 50 basis points of rate increases. That's half an interest rate point. While it's not linear, it's not tied directly to the mortgage rates, it impacts the bond market, and that does impact the mortgage rates. So if you think, as we sit here today, and you want to believe that the Association of Realtors and Mortgage Bankers Association of America and all sorts of other associations forecasters are correct, that mortgage rates will end the year in the mid-fives, ask yourself what's going to drive rates lower. We had lower rates for an extended period of time, folks. 
but we only had those extended rates because we had a really bad event happen in our economy. We had a pandemic and the Fed and the government decided to flood our market with money. Today, we don't have those circumstances. We have people calling what we're experiencing a garden variety recession. I've never seen a garden variety recession. All recessions tend to be painful. But even in this environment, the Fed continues to raise rates. And they're not getting control of what the Fed is primarily focused on, which is inflation. We still haven't seen inflation come back to the target zone. So the Fed's going to continue to fight this battle. Jerome Powell's telegraphed where he's going. So what's this mean for mortgage folks? So don't date the rate. Marry the house. Think about where you are today. Buy the house. And if you're comfortable with the payment today, make sure that you're going to be comfortable with it in the future and that this isn't a short-term decision that you're banking on the market allowing you to refinance for. The risk is you won't be able to refinance. Yeah, thank you. Let me reinforce that. You took my thunder there. Let me reinforce that. It's pretty simple, folks. You can't predict the future of interest rates. Nobody can. Okay, and if you're going to buy a house and make a bet on that, that could come back and haunt you in many different ways. And by the way, I guess I would say Forget about the rate. Figure out what the monthly payment is in dollars. See if you can afford it. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Can't afford? Don't. This is going to sound pretty stupid from a financial planner's point of view, but it doesn't matter what the rate is if you can afford it. It works in your life and you're saving for college and getting your retirement squared away at the same time. It doesn't matter, folks. It's what you can afford. And what I'm saying isn't very contrarian. It's not really a hot take. The average interest rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage over the last 30 years, 7.25%. We are within a hair of that range right now. Yeah. Date the rate, marry the house and date the rate. That kind of came out in a period of falling interest rates where mortgage guys could get paid several times when people refinance houses because it's coming down. And that's great for everybody Mm because it worked. But that worked in a falling interest rate environment. It doesn't work so well in a rising interest rate environment. And by the way, nobody knows what it's going to be, folks. Okay, so Jeremy said it. Let me say it like the third time. Okay, buy a home that you can afford. And I don't care what the interest rate is. If you do the math and your income says whatever this dollar payment is fits with my life, I'm saving for college, I'm putting a good amount of money away for retirement, I go out to eat a couple of times a week, take a vacation or two a year, Go for it. It does not matter. If you think you're going to wait, to if you can't afford it to begin with, why would you wait? That, that is my question. Okay, you'd be dumb if you can't. It doesn't matter. If you can afford it, smile, okay? And if things happen that maybe you refinance cheaper later, great. But per Jeremy's comment, you may own that mortgage for the rest of the time you're in that house, folks. I'm not sure. Who knows how much refinance we're going to have there? Are rates going higher? Are rates going lower? Don't know. If it works now, do it. If it doesn't, don't. You- My crystal ball is foggy, right? I don't have perfect forecasting abilities. (laughs) But when we go out and we look at the statistics, the early 1980s, rates were in the high teens. My father's first home was 18.5%. If we look at the low end of the market, I've got clients that I refinanced into new mortgages in the twos. That was the bottom of the market when we thought the world was going to fall apart and we were never going to bounce back from COVID. But here we are today in a different environment, and we have to come back to what is an average interest rate over 30 years, 7.25%. If you think rates are going to go down, you have to really build out a case mentally that this economy in some way, shape, or form needs to be stimulated. 
And I don't think at this point, with inflation doing what it's doing, that we need to be stimulating an economy. And there aren't a lot of folks thinking about mortgages that are worrying about the macroeconomic picture in our country. They're not paying attention. No. It doesn't matter. So well, that's the la- yeah. last point I'd add yeah. on that, Mike, yeah. is yeah. if we really talk, marry the house, date the rate. If you don't have an advisor that's staying in touch with you over time, you've just put yourself in the position of taking lead responsibility for understanding when that refinance opportunity yeah. comes up. Yeah. You have to find an advisor like Mike or my team, Devaney Mortgage, Onto Mortgage. You've got to find a team that's going to monitor this for you and come back and revisit these goals and talk to you over time about your financial situation. And it's not one and done. You don't want a rate quoter. You don't want somebody that's transactional. You want an advisor. In my, there's so many parallels. In, in my business, by the way, I, the, the macroeconomic point, let me skip the end here, is that nobody knows the future, okay? But if it works for you now and you can plan for the future, great. If it doesn't, that's how it is. In my business, for fo- folks who meet, meet me and us for the first time, they'll, what do you think about the market? Where's it going? Should mm-hmm. I do this? I, and my answer is, I don't have a clue. Past performance is not a guarantee. Don't ask me for an economic forecast. I'm not an economist by training. Okay, you can plan for what happens in financial markets, and you can be prepared what Mm -hmm. happens, but you can't predict. In in our world, okay, that means having a person with a portfolio that only has so much excitement so that they won't leave if it's in a downtime. So we can protect people against down markets by not going down as much as, Mm -hmm. okay, in other words, volatility they can live with. And if they happen to be retired, we've got a couple of years worth of cash stashed away so that during bad markets we don't have. So you can't predict, but you can plan and prepare. And that works exactly when you're doing a mortgage business. Yeah, and just like you come back and revisit with your clients these conversations, Our team does an annual review. We want to get on the phone with every single one of our past clients once a year at minimum and talk to you about how your goals change over time. Our practices are so similar in how we have to approach it. It, We just work with different assets. I focus on the real estate asset. Mike focuses on the other assets. And you need to manage those costs over time and you need to manage the financing you have over time on that property because ultimately it's the largest piece of most people's financial portfolio. So if you're not taking the time once a year to sit down and go, okay, am I gonna be in this house for a couple more years? The mortgage I have on it appropriate for that time, you might wind up in a situation that is less than ideal. Yeah, I can, there are, I'm just gonna buy property and not worry about it. If you're a young couple and you do manage to buy your first house, two years later, somebody gets a job officer, a job office, and you have to move to Dubuque and sell a house at maybe a down, maybe a flat time. You mm-hmm. haven't made up for the real estate commission yet. Maybe prices have, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong, but if you can be prepared for them, you're in much better shape, folks. And, and as you sit there and you try to figure out that first home or a move up home, a lot of the conversation turns to, I need to get a return out of my primary residence. Ooh, talk so, about that. Yeah. Ooh, that could be fun. <laughs> Mike, what do you think of your primary <laughs> residence as an investment? It ain't an investment. It's a place to live. Okay. There's so much emotion tied up in that house. You're going to make decisions that have no basis in financial logic. You're going to do yard improvements that yeah. add zero to the value. You're going to finish a basement or put yeah. in a pool. <laughs> These are convenience items. Okay, you can come back here and talk some more next show. <laughs> F- folks, let me explain something. Something. Real estate's going to pre. Let's see. Residential real estate for the last X amount of years has appreciated five or six percent a year. Yeah, probably. But if you sit down and add up all of the improvements that you made to your house along the way, and never mind repairs. Okay, 
people don't earn five or six percent in their houses. If you spend a hundred thousand dollars to do redo a kitchen and two bathrooms, you take that hundred thousand off your profits when you sell a house and figure out what your return is. It ain't going to be yeah. five or six percent for a lot of people. And okay. if you're an investor, yeah. Mike, are, yeah. are, are you going to go out and put a swimming pool and a hot tub in the back of your Dorchester triple deck? Probably, probably not. Probably like, not. Yeah. You're going to make sensible yeah. decisions yeah. that increase your it, rent. It may well increase in value over time, though. Don't be confused about that. But as an investment, and if you look at it that way as an investment, you you could be temporarily disappointed depending on what happens in your life given that yep. set of circumstances. So. If you want true investment, if you're really moving in that direction, let's have a conversation about quote unquote house hacking. Yep. A lot of young people have been reading bigger pockets on the internet and you, finding out about buying multifamily houses with FHA products where you can buy a, a three family or a four family with three and a half percent down. Great idea. But guess what? It lets your primary residence. You've got cash flow coming in from those other units. So it changes the way that property works in your portfolio. Yeah, you took a little bit more risk to do that on your own. Definitely <laughs> took more risk to do that. It's very different than having an exclusive yeah. investment property. Yeah. The, the, and the, going that way certainly works for some folks. It's pretty simple. Uh, there's nothing wrong with investing in real estate as long as you don't have lots of money and lots of time to bail yourself out mm. if there's some temporary difficulties that you run into. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. We see a lot of people getting into the real estate market without having those reserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's scary stuff. Okay. Yeah, if you're going to be an investment <laughs> property owner, what happens when that <clears throat> furnace goes out and you haven't set aside the proper amount of reserves? Suddenly your tenants need heat and they demand it, and it's actually a qualifier for it to be a qualified rental property. Yeah. You have to provide that heat, whether it breaks you personally or not. Scary stuff. So what about adjustable versus fixed these days? Do you have any generic comments about that? <laughs> it varies with everybody, I'm sure. Who are candidates to do an adjustable mortgage even today? Great question. Okay. The financial a, give, planner asking about suitability. A, <laughs> so it, very appropriate conversation. Um, really, we've seen the adjustable rate market change over the last, call it, two months. Two months ago, the adjustable rate market was very hot. There was a lot of conversation going on. There was a lot of community banks that were involved in, in the adjustable rate market. So for people listening, an adjustable rate mortgage in today's world means that you have a fixed rate period, usually three, five, seven, or 10 years. And then after that, the mortgage rate fluctuates based on an underlying index. And that rate is usually lower than a fixed rate mortgage, is that the, correct? The fixed period yeah. at the front end of that mortgage yeah. is usually lower than... Yeah. What we've seen, though, is as community banks have tightened up over the last two weeks since that Silicon Valley wow, bank collapse, problem there. Yeah, yeah. we've also seen some deposit runoffs from some of these credit unions. We've seen some other credit tightening because people are looking at their lending portfolios at these institutions. They don't have enough money to loan anymore. Or they also don't have the tolerance, the risk tolerance yeah. to be in the residential real estate yeah. market. They've yeah. loaded up over the last three years. Uh, and now you've got small community bank boards sitting back going, what's my exposure to the residential market? Time to tighten up, huh? Exactly. So yeah. credit standards are getting tighter. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of these products exit the market. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Over the last two weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. There's okay. still adjustable rate product out there. Yeah. But again, it comes back to suitability. So what we see with the adjustable rate market is because of the fixed rate period, largely our team's preference in, in recommending that product, it needs to match the ownership time period or it needs to match your refinance time period. And by that, what I mean is if you came to us and you told me, I'm only going to own this house for two to three years 
it's my first house. I'm going to buy a condominium. I'm going to buy a small starter house. I've got it under contract. I'm not worried about trying to compete for it or anything like that. I'm just trying to make the numbers work a little bit better for me. You could take a look at an adjustable rate product because your time horizon's clearly defined. If you're coming to us and you're in saying- In reality, it might not be, but in your mind, it could in your be. Mind, you, you plan for it and you yeah. prepare for it, right? right? You could take a look, if you're only there two to three years, take a look at a five-year adjustable rate. Take a look at a seven-year adjustable rate where you've got a fixed time period where you're fixed. Okay. And it covers your ownership time period plus some, gives you some buffer. Yeah. You've got a little bit of conservatism baked in there. So what happens is you've matched your liability to the time period of ownership. What a concept. Yeah, I know, back to finance 101, <laughs> liability, liability matching. So when you think about things that way, you don't have to have that refinance risk that we were talking about earlier. Rates might go up and you never can refinance out of that. What you then have is a time horizon risk where you want to make sure you stick to your plan. Either you're putting a renter in there after two or three years or you're selling that property after or, two or, or three years. Or your income is going up because you just got out of med school exactly. in five years or something like that. Okay, got it. Okay. So there's a little bit more risk around those adjustable yeah, pro that's programs. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. Wow. There's also people that are wow. using those because they see their income going up in the future in yeah. a dramatic way. Yeah, I wanted to ask you one more planning-related question. Surprise, surprise. How many, on average, person owns, what, three, four homes over the course of a lifetime? I'd say less. Yeah, okay. Two, say, two three. Two, let's go three. Okay, yeah. the starter home, the kid home, and the retirement home. Yep. You okay with that? Okay. And let's even forget about refinancing for yep. a moment in the middle there. Okay, so the, when people buy the second home, okay, the, the, you move from the starter home to the, I've got the three bedrooms sure. and handle the kids now. Okay, do they match their mortgage duration with their retirement date? The answer is typically no. Are you crazy about America? No. Okay. Doesn't even you, come up in conversation. You, 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 you want to make a point? So that doesn't happen. Okay. No, it doesn't. Yeah, folks, let me ask you a question. If, if you're, let me make up some numbers. You're 30 years old and you buy your first home. Okay, that, that an age that works these days? Correct. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. All right, and you take a 30-year mortgage. Okay, and let's say you're in that home for, what, seven, six, seven, eight years. Okay, all of a sudden there's one kid and the home's getting a little... So maybe You've ten, experienced this before. Yeah, so maybe there's, and don't ask me how many homes I've owned, but maybe there's, yeah, let's see. So 10 years have gone by. Okay, you have a 30-year mortgage in your first home. Now you're age 40 and you're going to do your second home. Now let me think about this. I'm going to guess that the second home is more expensive, first home. I'm going to guess that the mortgage is probably going to be bigger than mm -hmm. the first home. Okay, folks, did you ever think that if you're 40 years old and you have a 30-year mortgage that you're going to have a mortgage until you're age 70? You want, yeah, okay, hello, anybody out there think, thinking right. about that? Okay, in, in the financial planning world, this is the absolute one best thing anybody on the planet could do for their retirement plan is to have a mortgage retired the same day you are, okay? Be because, you know, let's see, conventional wisdom says that when you retire, because your income goes down 25, 30, or 35%, maybe your expenses have to go down, mm -hmm. mean 25, 35%. Guess what? If you do the math on what your mortgage payment is, folks, okay, that mortgage payment is probably that 25 to 30, right. 35%. So presto changeo, the day you turn 65 and your 30-year mortgage vaporizes, your living expenses just went down 35%. You're probably going to be at least more okay than if you didn't do that. I, it is unbelievable what happens with that. This is something that people never think about, can't afford, unless you're working with a financial planner right. or reach up over the head once in a while. You try to match the mortgage duration with your retirement. Oh, you know, what's the plan for paying off the, if you buy that house at 40, 
okay, and you turn 65 and you got five years left on the mortgage, mm-hmm. what's the plan for paying that off beforehand? M- increased income? Maybe not. It doesn't happen very often. And we were right? talking about this yeah. during break earlier, yeah. Mike. Paying off the mortgage isn't going to happen for everybody. No. Your financial situation is going to dictate whether or not you've got the capacity to do that. And having advice from a solid financial planner is going to help you make that decision. There's people that a reverse mortgage is appropriate for. Yep. There's people yep. that have to carry a mortgage into retirement because you don't have the other assets to be able to pay it yep. off for and your cash flow. That's, and by the way, that's reflective of living expenses and lifestyle oh, yeah. that, that maybe p- people didn't pay attention to. So oh, yeah. Thing. Yep. Okay. It, for my team and the way we view the world, we don't want you carrying this debt in perpetuity. We don't want you to have a mortgage forever. Our goal is actually to help you pay off that house as quickly as possible so we can get on to talking about the retirement house or the ski house or the vacation house or the investment property. We want to see you grow and hit those other financial goals. Didn't hurt to give good advice to people, did it? (laughs) Never never hurts to make your clients wealthier. I just, folks, I just, one of the things I just want to make sure we got out here is that if you can arrange that when you get to your retirement home, you don't have a mortgage on it, your life is going to be a whole lot less complicated and a little bit easier from a retirement point of view, but uh, whatever. And if you're approaching that date and you haven't been able to figure it out on your own, give Mike a call, give me a call. You can reach me at 781-680-5626. You can reach Mike over at McNamara Financial. Listen, folks, you got to get some advice. You've got to talk these things through and start planning. I had one other rating question that I'll just ask that maybe you can tell me some stories. How many folks, as a percentage of folks you meet, have either refinanced or done some sort of a mortgage and incorporated or paid off college debts for their kids. That, have you seen much of that in your life? I have seen much of good, it. Good. But <laughs> it, I think it's one, our team would largely not recommend it. Yeah, yeah. The interest rates that you find on student debt are really favorable in most situations. Yeah. And in most situations, these debts have been sidelined for the last couple of years with the CARES Act and some of the right. COVID policy. Yeah, yeah. So they're... It's cheap. It's cheap debt to carry. You want to service it and pay it off. Yeah. We don't want our clients having lots of debt. Yeah. Th- th- thank you. Please be atten- pay attention to that, folks. And also, please pay attention to the fact of how much you had to borrow to begin with. Maybe you could have saved some more. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> we've got about, Jeremy, we've got about maybe four minutes. Summaries, comments, things you didn't get to talk about. What do you want to chat for, about for the end here? Budget and plan, folks. Get conversations started. Build a team around you to get solid advice. That's the best advice I can give you as somebody that's gone through planning and touched (laughs) lots of different areas of finance over time is if you don't start the conversation, you're going to live in a world of myth and fear. And once you start having the conversation, you can figure out where ground truth is. You can create a plan. The plan's going to go out the window the minute you get punched in the face and the battle starts. But you have the team around you at that point to adjust the plan. Yeah, it's a mighty complicated world out there. Yeah, lots of different pieces. There's lots of smart people, many people smarter than me. I like to surround myself with experts in finance and different areas of finance, whether it's Mike and Alyssa over in financial planning, whether it's my my insurance experts, my legal experts. You got to have a team around you. Attorneys, you got to have all those folks, folks. Yeah. And if you need names, call Mike, call me. What else? So I think the last thing I would give people today is really you don't have to be a homeowner. Each situation is individual. I'd like everybody to be able to achieve their financial goals. Some people, we have to take a longer time horizon. We've got clients we've worked with for two or three years to get you to the right position. And again, we want you to be a happy homeowner. 
We want happy clients. We want clients that are reaching their goals. So making sure it's the right thing for you is the right thing. Yeah, that's a good way to run a business. Completely. <laughs> Any big changes in the mortgage industry that might affect consumers somewhere down the line? This banking mess has dried up some money for loans. Is that safe to say? Or Not quite yet. Not quite yet? Not okay. quite yet. There, okay. there's, there's quite a bit of capacity for home mortgages. Okay. Tons of product out there that's still directed at what I'd consider to be less qualified borrowers, people with credit issues going on. Where you're finding the market dry up is on some of the really unique product out there, particularly in the jumbo space where we saw a lot of hedge funds and life insurance companies getting involved. Oh, really? And pulling back a lot of community banks getting involved and pulling back. Wow. Yeah, some of these pools of money don't come from traditional deposit banks. Yeah. They come from large financial institutions that got tons of cash. Yeah, or certain Amazon-type companies that buy homes. There's a whole kinds of this companies getting into the business of buying huge masses of homes across mm-hmm. the country these days. Still a good time to be a home yeah, buyer. Yeah, it's yeah. just competitive. Oh. Get the right team around you. Oh. Make sure that you put yourself in the best position possible. Nobody gets on the playing field as a professional athlete without doing the work oh. beforehand. You got to know the playbook. You got to know how to respond to different situations. So make sure you've got the right team around you. Yeah, it's people ought to spend more time about the it's not unpatriotic to rent. I can make a really great case for a number of people in a number of different situations in their lives. Oh, completely. Rent versus own a home. It's not un-American to be a renter is maybe one of the last things that I would say. Jeremy, phone number, website, contact information for you, awesome, please. Awesome, Mike. It, yep, Jeremy Devaney, onto mortgage, 781-680-5626. Jade Devaney, D-E-V-A-N-E-Y at ontomortgage.com or www.devaneymortgage.com. Hey, thanks for being here today. It was fun. Really appreciate it, Mike. Alrighty. Folks, we're signing off. Sayonara. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) 